Ah, sweet land of liberty. Our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, friend. You know, one of the enduring issues in religious freedom that we're very vigilant to protect is not just the freedom of individuals to practice their faith or to believe what they want to believe. It's the autonomy and the independence of our religious institutions, our churches, our schools, etc. And one of the big threats that you hear about that is touted by many in the faith community as something that would be a good thing would actually be very, very destructive of the freedom of churches. And that's something known as the Johnson Amendment. Our guest today is Maggie Garrett, Legislative Director for Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Welcome to Freedom's Ring, Maggie. Thanks for having me. So, you know, we've covered the Johnson Amendment, but I don't want to assume that our listeners know anything about it. First of all, tell us, you know, what it is and and kind of where it comes from. Sure. So the Johnson Amendment is a provision in the current tax code. Um, It's been around for 60 years. And what it says is that houses of worship and other 501c3 organizations, so tax-exempt organizations, can't endorse candidates. They can have robust free speech rights in that they can speak out on any political and social issue that they see as important. They just can't endorse or oppose political candidates. And, you know, it's it's being touted as a restriction on free speech. But, you know, when I go to churches these days and speak in my sermons, I remind folks that in that congregation, you have people who support our President Trump, And you have people who absolutely despise President Trump. And we're worshiping together, you know, and that we want to try to bridge the polarized climate that we're living in somehow. But to me, repealing the Johnson Amendment would greatly aggravate the kind of uh, polarization and bring it even more directly into the church. Do you agree with that? I totally agree with that. We have been working a lot with houses of worship and religious organizations and faith leaders. Uh, We have a letter from 106 religious and denominational organizations and 4,500 faith leaders. And what they say is that the Johnson Amendment protects the integrity of their house of worship. And um, they are concerned that if this is repealed or strongly weakened, that their houses of worship are going to be torn apart by partisan campaign politics. They are concerned that they will become a tool of political candidates. Um, so in addition to being Trump versus Hillary, maybe in your pews, there could be Trump versus Bernie or Trump versus Ted Cruz. It could be local elections. There's lots of, of ways that politics can sort of seep in, and it's something that is really concerning to people of faith. Well, I have said over, you know, as we've covered this issue over the course of time, to our knowledge, there is not a single denomination in America that wants to repeal 
the Johnson Amendment. Is is that still true, or have any denominations said, hey, we think it's a good idea for us to be able to endorse candidates? There are two still, after all of these fights, there is still not one denomination that has come out in favor of it. And so, you know, listeners, I would urge you to, to think, why is it that the administrative leaders of the organized churches of all stripes, Protestant, Catholic, Jewish, you name it, they're all in agreement that we don't want our churches promoting candidates. But there's another aspect of this which you don't hear about very often, and that has to do with how politics is funded. How would the Johnson Amendment affect the funding of politics? Right. We're very concerned, too, about um, campaign finance loopholes. So, And how will they be exploited? Could it now be um, that you could give money to a church and they don't reveal who their donors are for, you know, for good reason. Churches aren't going to reveal who their donors are. But now, um, without the Johnson Amendment, they could give money to a candidate. Where's that money coming from? And there are some people who would say, well, if you repeal the Johnson Amendment, that doesn't mean you can give cash dollars to the candidate. But, you know, you could do things like, um, someone could go to a church and say, I would love to pay for your brand new kitchen. I'd love to give you a million dollars to build your new kitchen, but it would be really great if every Sunday you endorse this particular candidate and you send out emails, you know, endorsing this particular candidate and in the bulletins and on your website and in, you know, you just continuously and advocate for a candidate. Well, that's incredibly valuable, um, especially if there's a really large church that can send an email or have a television show or a webcast where you're endorsing candidates. That's a lot of money that's going towards that person's election. So let me ask you this question. Why? And that's a a scenario that I hadn't thought about. I guess what I was thinking was more along the lines of, you know, donors go to the church and say, you know, we're going to give you all of this money to purchase ads for the candidate. And, you know, what, what happens, I mean, I'm not sure if our listeners fully get the picture. Politics is funded with after tax dollars, right? Yeah. After tax dollars, you know, you make a hundred dollars and, you know, if you're in a 25% tax bracket, then you got 75 bucks left after taxes. If you're a wealthy donor, you know, maybe you've got 60 bucks left after taxes. If you're in New York or California, forget about it, right? Yeah. But, you know, the point is after tax dollars fund elections, not pre-tax dollars. You don't get a deduction. Imagine if now you could get a tax deduction for funding politics. If you thought money in politics was a problem already, oy vey. Yes, yes. And the whole point of the tax exemption that we have now is that these organizations are thought to do charitable work. And funding elections for particular candidates is not charitable work. Um, And so it's really turning you know, turning it over with what the whole purpose of a tax exemption is. And then, yes, I could, for instance, give to my Lutheran church and make money off of that. So I could make, you know, I could get tax deductions for funding a candidate if they funneled it through to a candidate. And that's really troubling. There aren't people, like for saying, who say, oh, if only we could get more money into campaigns and have less transparency with it. Right. So I'm going to raise another sort of uh, parade of horribles here as I'm thinking okay. about this. All right. So, you know, when you look at a denomination, right, you have a lot of different churches, a lot of different people. It's hard to exercise complete control, you know. So supposing you have 
a whole group of churches that are part of it, like my own church, Seventh-day Adventist. And you have several pastors who start taking money to fund candidates. And the IRS says, no, this isn't a charitable purpose. And they come after your tax exemption, right? Mm -hmm. That's, you know, well, the problem is in a denomination, the congregation doesn't have the tax exemption. The denomination has it. So Uh if they come after the congregation, what they're really doing is threatening the tax exempt status of the entire denomination. Right. That's true. That may seem, that may seem like, uh, you know, a completely uh, bizarre sort of I mean, I guess it comes back to the basic genius of how we have our church-state relations set up and why, for example, as you know, we have an organization called Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Mm -hmm. It used to be Protestants and other Americans united. You know, it used to be (laughs) mainstream Protestant idea that we preserve these arrangements, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, that is true. And, you know, we have a, a new executive director and we've been talking a lot about how church state separation is actually a conservative and traditional value. And, you know, recently it's been brought up as being sort of controversial, but when it comes down to it, it really protects religious freedom and it is not something that used to be controversial. Um, and so, you know, we've sort of talked about the importance of bringing that message back that this is, this is why we have robust, um, free exercise of religion. This is why you can be different religions. This is why we have so many churches and other houses of worship around the country is because the government doesn't meddle with them. Um, And we think it's important to keep it that way. Well, I wholeheartedly agree. I know that, you know, Americans United has gotten caught up in kind of staking out a position in the culture wars, you know, for the last bit of time. Um, And it's been an effective strategy in terms of building the organization. Um, But, you know, I think it is very important for us to recapture with mainstream America, with our faith communities, a healthy respect for the institutional separation. Mm -hmm. Separation of church and state listeners is not a dirty word. We totally agree that it's absolutely critical to protect the autonomy and the freedom of our churches That's right. and protect religious freedom in our country. And one thing I feel like I just need to add because um, of our old name, um, which I do think shows that it was a mainstream Protestant view, um, but I also am proud that we did change our name from them because it isn't just about mainstream Protestants who believe this. This is something that Catholics and Hindus and um, our Jewish members and our atheist members and our secularists. And so, you know, it, it is, I think, something that protects believers, non-believers, Protestants, people of other faiths. Um, but yes, I think it, it's something that protects all people of faith and of none. Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, look, I got a call recently. Uh, you know, we do a lot of, uh, legal representation for people of all faiths, which mm-hmm. really makes our organization, the Church State Council, somewhat unique because most, most groups that work on religious liberty issues represent a fairly narrow scope of issues and they represent, uh, you know, their own values and their own, their own faith traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a call from an atheist who wanted to have a religious objection to labor union membership and she, grew up in the Catholic Church, and I told her I was so thrilled to get a call from an atheist. I congratulated mm-hmm. her on being our first atheist customer, and <laughs> um, 
you know, did what I could to steer her in the right direction. Mm-hmm. You know, because if religious freedom means anything, it really means that we respect everybody's right to what they believe and to live, you know, in peace according to their own beliefs. Yep. And that's, exactly. that's what American values are all about. That's right. So I'm grateful for the work that you guys are doing. So what's the prospects now for uh, the Johnson Amendment? We've just got about less than two minutes before we close, and okay. we've uh, talked about what's wrong, uh, why we want to keep it, but it's still under attack in Congress, right? That's right. We held off attacks last year in the tax bill, um, but right now they are trying to pass an appropriations bill. They should be passing this probably by the 23rd of March, so it's coming up soon. Uh, but there are still efforts to put a provision in there that would essentially cripple the IRS in their attempts to enforce the Johnson Amendment as it applies to houses of worship. Um, so we're fighting really hard to keep that out and hope it's so, out. You know, listeners, I hope you will take this as a call to action to reach out to your congressmen, to your senators. Um, where online can they go and uh, sign up? We'll have something on our Church State Council website, churchstate.org. Do you guys have something online that listeners yes. can? We we have action alerts online. If you go to au.org, uh, you should be able to find the action alert from there. I'll, in fact, I'll make sure that it's prominent on, That'd be on our great. page. Okay, great. Well, our guest today has been Maggie Garrett, Legislative Director for Americans United for Separation of Church and State. We've been talking about ongoing efforts to repeal the Johnson Amendment, very important protection uh, for the autonomy of churches that does not allow churches to endorse candidates, which is, of course, very politically divisive. Maggie, thanks for being with us on Freedom's Ring today. Thank you. As we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We offer help to those suffering religious discrimination check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org. This has been Freedom Spring. I'm your host, Alan Renna. Until next week, let freedom ring.